KT, have you noticed that interest rates long-term are starting to go down little by little? Yeah, what are we going to do about it? I tell you what I think everybody should do about it. You should go to myalliant.com and take advantage of the one-year to 17-month certificate of deposit. They're currently paying 5.15% or 5.20% for amounts of $75,000 or more. Tell them one more time, KT, where they should go. Go to myalliant.com today. Now you know. All right, Susie, KT, are you ready for today's podcast? Yeah, Robert, of course we're ready. Because we are unstoppable. Yeah. Yeah, baby. <laughs> I'm unstoppable. I'm a buzzer with no brakes. I'm invincible. Yeah, I win every single game. Mine's so powerful. I don't need batteries to play. I'm so confident. Yeah, I'm unstoppable today. Good morning, Susie. Good morning, KT. It is May 25th, 2020. 23. Welcome, everybody, to the Women in Money podcast, as well as everybody smart enough to listen. This is the KT and Susie. Ask us anything. <laughs> How'd and you sleep last night? Why are you asking me you that? You ask us anything. How'd you sleep last night? Well, you tell me. How'd I sleep? She slept pretty good. <laughs> so, since we're at Ask Me Anything part already, how was it being with your family? We had the best gathering and little reunion. It was so much fun because it was just a tiny gathering of Barbara and Don and Travis and Sophia. Susie and I got to really spend quality time with Travis and Sophia and catching up and learning all about their young lives and careers. But for me, I went fly fishing with my nephew. He gave me a great lesson. And oh, I let's caught, post pictures on that. I caught my first bonefish. So those of you that are not big fishing fans, you'll love this. Bonefish um, are very <laughs> hard to catch. They're very small. They're maybe about 12 to 18 inches, and they're skinny and silvery, but they move like lightning. And if you catch one, it's quite a thrill to bring it in. And as soon as you bring it in, you release it. But she did it. I did it. And there's pictures of me. On a fly fish rod, which is very, very, very difficult than a spinning rod. But I'll post pictures She'll today. just, just one, just one of me and Travis holding the fish. Oh, this is her little golden boy that she loves. Yeah. All right. Okay, everybody. You ready for your first question, Susie? Well, wait, I want to say something before we begin, which is obviously the debt ceiling, KT, is on everybody's mind. And yesterday I listened to Senator McCarthy give a little recap of the negotiation. So we'll see what happens. I don't know. It kind of sounds like they're going to solve this somehow, but let's just hope so. But we will keep you informed. All right, Miss Travis, what is your first question? Okay. I also want to say that it was my sister Barbara's birthday, and we had the best birthday ever. This is the family where we make things. 
Yes. It was so much fun. So Susie will post, post a photo so of what post, we made. <laughs> so I'll post you the presents that we gave made her. Barbara. All right. Okay, <laughs> okay. Let's get to this. All KG. right. Ready. Susie Orman, I just have to share this with you. I am in the car a lot with my kids, and that is when I listen to your podcast. I figure it worse. They may learn something, but I never really know if my kids are listening. This time, I was listening to the podcast, and my question came on. I sat quietly in the front seat and continued listening. Then all of a sudden, from the back seat, my nine-year-old yells, Hey, Mom! Was that you talking about us? So, Susie, they are listening. Now, why did you choose that one? I just wanted to share with everyone some fun, you know, stories that we get in. This isn't a question. It was just a mom wanting to let Susie know that maybe her great advice will sink in one day. But what's interesting for me, Katie, about that one is kids at all ages, they really listen and they do what you do. So you may not think that you're talking about money with them when you're talking about money in front of them or whatever you may be doing, but they are taking it in. And that is an example of that. Because that little nine-year-old knew mommy situation that I was answering. Now, how did he know that? Because obviously he's heard mommy talk about it. Anyway, go on. <laughs> okay, next one is a question, Susie. I'm planning on buying one month or two month treasury bills tomorrow. Since they're paying way over 5% right now, and it's only for a month or two. Susie, do you think they'll be safe? Is this a good idea? Here's the thing that's interesting, KT, is that many, many people have been writing in this exact same question, and they've been posting it on the Susie wall. Mm -hmm. Remember, everybody, there is a Women and Money app. You simply download it by going to Google Play or Apple Apps and look for Women and Money. Free. And free, obviously. And on the Susie wall, where we keep you updated to all kinds of things, people have been posting this question. And I see replies going, yeah, I'd like to know the answer to that. What have I said to all of you right now? Just wait and let's see what happens. If I was going to be buying anything, I would absolutely lock in the 18-month certificate of deposit at 5.15% with Alliant Credit Union. In fact, remember when we introduced the three-month and the six-month certificate of deposit? Well, our certificates of deposits are coming due in June. You know, it's like, what should we do with that? And I sent in and I said, let's re-up for the 18-month certificate of deposit. But I would just wait a little bit to see what happens here. Because the truth of the matter is, if we do default, it is possible interest rates are going to skyrocket. If we don't default, I think they're going to stay right approximately around here. And possibly, who knows? go down, go up, whatever it may be. But that's when you might be looking for longer term than one or two months. Next, KT. Okay. Hi, Susie and KT. We are currently trying to figure out a memory care facility 
for my 83-year-old mother-in-law after my father-in-law passed away a few weeks ago. Susie, my mother-in-law now receives her husband's social security check. She has laddered CDs, investment accounts, traditional IRAs, and a house that she shared with the love of her life for over 60 years. Mm. I know, makes you sad. My question is, what is the smartest way to draw down from these assets to pay for her rent at a memory care facility, which is about $12,000 a month? The house was originally bought for $27,000. It is now well worth over half a million dollars. All right, so here's there you go. Here's what you need to understand, which is the very first thing that you should do is absolutely sell the house. Why should you sell the house? Cuz you have a tremendous capital gain. You say in this email it's now worth over $500,000. You bought it for 27 thousand or your parents bought it for twenty seven thousand. So that's like a four hundred and eighty thousand dollar capital gain. However, because your parents lived in it as their primary residency for two out of the past five years, your mother obviously gets a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar exemption. Now her husband has died, but guess what? If she sells it now, he will also get that $250,000 exemption, even though he has died. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. So if you sell it now, she's not going to have to pay anything in capital gains tax. And that happens to be a big deal. However, I also just want to remind you of this. If you have less then $44,000 a year of income, and you have a long-term capital gain, you pay 0% tax Mm. on it anyway. So that may be true with a lot of her stocks and things like that that she may have. But just know on the house, sell it now. Next, KT. Okay. Next question is from Jason. Hi, Susie and KT. Hopefully an easy and quick question. That's my man, Jason. No. Answer is no. <laughs> My husband and I got married less than a month ago. We're trying to figure out what to do with our W-4s. Should we be married and filing separately or jointly? We own a house together. Combined, we make just shy of 200000 per year, and we live in Florida. So there you go, Susie. Yeah. What should Jason do? I want every single one of you who are married to listen to this, because I have said it over and over again. You do not want to file married filing separately. If you do and make over $10,000 a year, you won't be able to have an IRA, a Roth IRA. There are many things you will not be able to do. So unless you see a certified public accountant and you figure all of this out and how much it might save you if you did file married filing separately, you are to file married filing jointly. And that's how you should do it for many, many reasons. Next, Katie. Okay. This is from Scott. 
Susie and Katie, I may have mentioned before that my mother, a 70-year-old widow, has all of her assets, including her home, set up in TODs to my sisters and I. Since long-term care insurance will be so expensive, should we convince her to move most of her assets into a trust? How do we convince her if it is the best option? First of all, everybody, you need to know TOD means transfer on death, which means that upon death, she has already designated where she wants the assets to go. Therefore, they are to go to Scott as well as his sisters. So because she has designated the beneficiaries, and this would be true on a life insurance policy or an IRA or retirement account, whenever you literally designate a beneficiary, it automatically bypasses probate. So probate here is not going to be mama's problem at all, or really Scott and the sister's problem. Next, Scott says, since long-term care insurance will be so expensive, should we convince her to move most of her assets into a trust? One has nothing to do with the other. The trust is not going to protect your mama from having to pay if she needs to go into a facility of any kind later on. All right. So just know that if you want long-term care will help pay for those expenses, putting her money in trust again is not going to have her avoid that. So that's something that you should know. So when you say, how do we convince her what the best option is, is that you first have to know what the best option is. And mommy, whether you know it or not, did fabulous setting everything up as a TOD account. Here is the problem and the right reason if you should convince her to put everything in a revocable trust. Everything is fine right now because mommy is fine. All of a sudden, mommy becomes incapacitated. Mommy falls and has a stroke or whatever it may be. Who's going to pay her bills for her? Who's going to take care of her money for her? A transfer on death account only takes care of business after her death. Your question that has to be answered is who's going to take care of her business while she's still alive, but not able to take care of her business. That's where a revocable trust that's set up while she is alive, when she transfers all of her assets into it, will then simply designate a successor trustee. So when you set up a revocable trust, your mama would be the trustor, the person who sets it up. She would also be the trustee, and she would make all decisions on it while she was alive. It would be held for her benefit while she's alive, and your benefit and your sister's benefit on her death. While she is the trustee, like I said, she makes all the decisions. Now, all of a sudden, she can't make decisions. She's become sick, whatever. Then somebody that's named already in the trust will step in as the successor trustee and make all the decisions with the money. 
That is the reason you really want a trust. So that is what you need to explain to your mom. You, you know, Susie, it's funny. I'm re- a lot of emails we get are from, you know, adult kids yeah. that are now in that position to take care of their their parents or their single parent. And going back to that question about the family that has to put the mom in a memory care center. Oh, yeah, she's already there. I, yeah, I know. I want to ask. I'm a little confused. I never heard that question or the answer that you're allowed to deduct money for the sale of your home for your husband who's passed? Like, how long is that good for? Two years, KT. Oh, I, I never so, heard so that So, for before. instance, the two of us yep. own a property in joint tenancy. Each one of us gets a $250,000 exemption when we go to sell it. Mm-hmm. So if we bought the house for $24,000, as they did in that example, they lived in that house for two out of the past five years as their primary residency, mm-hmm. which they did, okay, then we would be able to sell that house for at least $500,000 right. without having to pay one penny of capital gains wow. tax because we each got a $250,000 exemption. You die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm always killing you off. <laughs> Please don't do that. Please don't do that. Mm-hmm. But you die, KT. And within two years of your death, then I go to sell that home. Now all $500,000 gets to be written off still because I still get to take my $250,000 exemption and your $250,000 exemption, right? Now, obviously, just so you know, upon your death, I would get a step up in basis on that house because this is actually important for all of you to know. So if the house is worth $500,000 upon KT's death, all right, I keep my cost basis in the house which would be half of the $24,000 that we bought it at. So my cost basis is $12,000. But now I get a step up in basis on KT's half to $250,000, which is half the value of what it's currently worth. So that means my cost basis is $262,000. If I wanted to, and let's say all of a sudden real estate skyrocketed, I'd be able to sell that house within two years of your death for $762,000 and not pay any income tax on it whatsoever. How come they, the realtors don't ever really explain that? Oh, no, many of them do, KT. We've mm. just never bought and sold houses like that. Yeah. Or died yet. <laughs> Please All don't right. die. Please Next don't question. Die. Susie. If I'm a long-term investor and I'm taking income from my retirement accounts, would it make sense to take profits from a mutual fund that is up? And if you were my financial advisor and I ask you that question, how would you reply? The reason is, listen to this. She said, I'm wondering because I was shocked at how my financial advisor replied to me. Susie, thank you for taking the time to read and hopefully answer this question. Then the then then we go on to say, wishing you and KT a great holiday weekend. Yeah, baby. All right. So, All right, so here's the thing about questions when you write them. 
There are so many things that go into answering a question as to whether or not you should sell this mutual fund just because it's up or not. Because I don't know the type of mutual fund you have. Maybe you have a mutual fund that's known as a B-share fund. And that if you were to get out of that fund or sell it before the surrender charge is up, then you possibly could get rid of all the gains that would be on that mutual fund. So again, I will do a podcast on A shares, B shares, and C share mutual funds. So I don't know what kind of mutual fund that you have. And so that would go into it. Also, I don't know the type of mutual fund that you have. What, Katie? Okay, so here's what we're going to do. This is a to-be-continued question and answer. So let's put this in the the next round, next Thursday. I'm going to ask the question again, but we need to get more information. All right, so sweet sugar, 05. This is from The Wall. The Wall. Write in and let us yes. know. All Answer right. more of Susie's questions, and then we'll get that down. All right. Next, this is from... <laughs> Claudia, she said, Dear Susie and my sweet KT. Wait, I just want Claudia, to say something to me that. Blush. So, my hundreds of you KT. wrote in on the wall, thousands of you wrote in on the email at suziepodcast at gmail.com. And everyone said how much they loved you, how sweet you are, how much joy you bring to the podcast. But they also said, KT, they really love their Susie School, even though they know for the next few weeks they're not going to have Susie School because Robert is going to see the Deadheads or whatever they're Grateful called. Grateful Dead. No, Grateful they've got dead. a new name now. The Deadheads? No, they're not the Deadheads. That's who the I audience. forgot what they are. He told me what they were, but I forget. <laughs> right? The Deads, I don't know and I don't care. Right? But anyway, so I just want you to know they all refer to you. Sweet KT. But, everyone, but no one wants me to feel bad that, that you don't no, want me No, because you are school. sweet. But in all of those responses, I'm the one now who feels bad. Why? Not one. Not one of the thousands <laughs> said that I was sweet. Well, or that I was nice, or all that you know. All you do is learn from me, but it's not as if they think I'm sweet. Tell them, KT. Well, there's some truth to their assumption. Susie's a slapdown kind of gal, but not to you. No, not to me. She's absolutely loving, sweet, caring. But still, I get my slap to share slapdowns. All right, let me do this. This is a do great you question. you notice how she skipped over that? I did. Dear <sighs> Susie and sweet KT, is putting a freeze on your Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian the same as locking down your credit? All right, so Claudia, yes, it is. I can answer that one without Susie's school. <laughs> All right. All right. So next question. Hello, my name is Erin. I have a question and concern regarding my father's lack of legal documentation for his estate. See what I mean, Susie? We're getting all these adult kids yeah. concerned about their parents. Wow. He is in very fragile health, so my sense of urgency has increased in recent months. He is married to a second wife who is also not in great health. 
The only document he has is a will. I foresee two scenarios. Neither are favorable for my two siblings and myself. Scenario one is his wife survives him. She gets everything. I'm concerned that she'll sell the house, leave town, and take everything with her. Scenario two is that he survives her, but his estate will go to probate. He still has a hefty mortgage on his home, and if all his assets are inaccessible throughout the probate process, my siblings and I will be responsible for covering his expenses. I would be so grateful, Susie, to hear your input. First of all, Susie, is Erin correct on the second part about her dad? Uh, possibly. Okay. Right? It just depends what else he has. I don't know. Does he have any other assets like where he set it up as transfer on death or pay on death to take care of that? We don't know. Erin, the first thing I want to say to you is that what bothers me a little bit, tiny, tiny bit about this email is your concern more for the money and you and your siblings than possibly what your dad really wants to do with this money. So I think you now are old enough to sit down with him and his current wife. And rather than pitching them and pitching her against you and upon his death, she's going to take all of this money and sell it and run away. What is that? about. So the only way to really, really deal with this is to make finances a family affair and not to let money get in between the love that hopefully you and your siblings have for your dad. And I would like to think for his wife. Now, maybe there are reasons why you don't like her or things have happened. However, I think it is important that if you can't talk with all of them together, then just talk to your father and say, Dad, here are my concerns. Is this what you really want? If you were to die and everything goes to your wife, is it all right with you then if she just doesn't leave any of that to us? Is that what you want? And if he says yes, sweetheart, there is not a whole lot you can do about it. If in fact he outlives her, you have a different concern than if he dies, all his assets then are going to have to go through probate. Your concern is then if he gets sick, if he needs care, how are you going to be able to take care of him? Because his will isn't going to help you. A will is simply a document that says where the assets are to go upon his death. So you need to sit down with him and have a talk, just like I said a little bit ago in one of the answers that I gave, why a revocable trust is an essential part of what I believe are the must-have documents that every single one of you should have. If you're interested in them, go to the Women in Money app, go to Susie Shop, and you'll see where I have the must-have documents. Learn about them, and maybe you want to partake in them via that program that is offered there. All right.
Okay, Susie, one more question again on beneficiaries and trust and wills. Hello, ladies. This is from Donna. Hello, ladies. I was once told that depending upon how you name your beneficiaries, meaning individual names versus a trust or will, this could affect how the beneficiaries receive their money. An example I was given is that one way they will all have to take the money in the same way and in another way they can take it differently. My question is, how should beneficiaries be set up for all the different types of accounts? Roth, traditional IRAs, 401ks, brokerage accounts, savings, checkings, etc., etc. So Donna needs to know, Susie, how to set that all up. So Donna, truthfully, it doesn't matter if it's a will or a trust, truthfully, because when they receive the assets that you are leaving for them outside of a retirement account, usually they get a lump sum of money and they get to use it any way they want. If you have certain children that are beneficiaries that aren't quite responsible and you don't want them to get their percentage till X date or whatever it is, then you would most likely need a revocable trust to do so. But there is no benefit, whether it's a trust or a will, as to how beneficiaries have to take their money. However, for retirement accounts, that are dictated by the names that you have left as beneficiaries. And remember, when you have a named beneficiary, it overrules the wishes of your trust or will, just so you know. When it comes to retirement accounts, remember, you are the owner of that retirement account. You now have put beneficiaries' names as beneficiaries on that retirement account. Upon your death, that money then will be divided and go into individual inherited retirement accounts. And depending on how old you are, when this happens, did you already start requiring minimum distributions or whatever, that will dictate how much each one of your beneficiaries will have to take out of that inherited retirement account. In most cases, they will have at least 10 years to wipe it clean. But hopefully they won't wait till the 10th year to wipe it clean because then they would be taxed if it's a traditional retirement account all at one time. So I know that was a little bit long there, but that is the answer to your question. But KT, I want to say something because I've been thinking this going back to everybody writing as to why they want Susie's school and that a lot of times we joke around too much or whatever it may be on the Thursday podcast. If you listen to today's podcast via questions and answers, you will have learned tremendous things, vital things that you need to know, whether it's the $250,000 exemption that you get on a deceased spouse Mm. for a piece of real estate, why you would want a revocable trust, whatever it may be. 
So don't put down the Thursdays, Ask KT and Susie anything as it's just trivial, it's light, it's not a deep dive. Doesn't have to be a deep dive for it to literally be vital and change your life. KT, it is quizzy time, my friend. Maybe we should call the podcast, Did You Know? (laughs) Instead of Ask Susie. Did you know? Did you? Did you know? All right, right. here's my quizzy coming up, everybody. It's for you, too. Everybody, it's quizzy time. And what that means, for those of you who are new to the podcast, is that I ask KT a question, but really I'm asking all of you as well. So KT, do not answer right away. All right? Okay. Because it is important that you know how to answer these questions because you never know when they might be a question that you need the answer to. And wouldn't it be great if you could answer it yourself? Hello, Susie and KT. Which should I max out first? My Roth 401k or my Roth IRA? Thank you, Tracy. KT, you think about it. Everybody else, think about it. A Roth 401k is an employer-sponsored retirement account wherever it is that Tracy may work. A Roth IRA is an individual retirement account, probably at a discount brokerage firm or a credit union or someplace like that. And Roth means it's been funded with money you have already paid taxes on. Which one, KT? 401k, baby. Why would you say that? Because the Roth 401k, because if my employer is going to be able to put in a percentage and you put in more, I'm going to put, I'm going to put in the match and I get more. And then what will you do? I'll just have more money than in my individual. Is that your final answer? Yeah. Are you positive? Yeah. Why wouldn't I want more? Why wouldn't I want to max out the more? So... You get both a ding, 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 and a, uh. Wait a minute. You keep doing that. Why? Because you're partly right. You cannot So what, what part's wrong? The second part. Which was what? So do you see what I go through again, everybody? KT, you be quiet now and listen to the right answer because <laughs> she's going to try to convince about- me, right, that she was right totally. All right, all right, all right. All right, so the true answer to this question depends on if you have a Roth 401k and if your employer matches your contribution, not all do, KT. So if your employer matches your contribution, meaning you put in a dollar, maybe they put in 50 cents or whatever it may be, sometimes they'll put in a dollar, but usually their match goes up to approximately 6% of your base pay. After that, they do not match anymore. So the answer is twofold. If you have a Roth 401k that matches your contribution, you cannot pass up free money. So you would first do the Roth 401k up to the point of the match. And then if you didn't have a whole lot more money after that, you would do a Roth IRA. If in fact, you had an employer that did not match, then you would absolutely do a Roth IRA first before the Roth 401k. If, however, 
you have enough money to max out the Roth 401k and the Roth IRA. Now we are doing fabulous. Do both. Absolutely (laughs) do both. All right. And the most important part of that entire quizzy, everybody, is that they're Roth retirement accounts. Yeah, because I will say till the day that I am no longer here, if the best possible retirement account, regardless of your tax bracket, I don't care what it is, is a Roth retirement account, whether it's an IRA, if even if you have to do a backdoor one, or because 401ks or 403bs or TSPs do not have any adjusted gross income limitations, boy, you should be taking advantage of that. All right, KT. That brings us to another end of an Ask KT and Susie Anything But. Before we go, we can't go without paying tribute to one of the greatest women of all of time. all times. And we lost her yesterday, obviously, Tina Turner. Was she just, oh my God, KT. I, I loved when I saw her perform in Vegas. Yeah. Wow. Those legs, the <laughs> dancing, the music. But Susie, let's just say, let's leave these words with everyone. Susie, what's love got to do with it? Well, the truth is everything. So there's one woman who really did take this year's theme song and lived it to the fullest. And that was Tina Turner. So without saying anything else, Tina, our theme song today is dedicated to you because you were truly what, Katie? Unstoppable. I'm unstoppable. I'm a buzzer with no brakes. I'm invincible. Yeah, I win every single game. Mine's so powerful. I don't need batteries to play. I'm so confident. Yeah, I'm unstoppable today. Unstoppable today. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman is acting as a certified financial planner, advisor, a certified financial analyst, an economist, CPA, accountant, or lawyer. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman make any recommendations as to any specific securities or investments. All content contained in this podcast is for informational and general purposes only and does not constitute financial accounting or legal advice. You should consult your own tax, legal, and financial advisors regarding your particular situation. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman accepts any responsibility for any losses which may arise from accessing or reliance on information in this podcast. And to the fullest extent permitted by law, we exclude all liability for loss, damages, direct or indirect, arising from the use of this information. The must-have documents discussed in this podcast are legal documents created by a lawyer and distributed by Hay House.